Welcome to the Difference Makers podcast presented by Waterproof. I'm your host, Justin Tamani. In this podcast, you'll hear from some of the top coaches, brand managers, and athletes on earth. From starting out to where they are now, we'll explore the journey of how they became a Difference Maker. Before we keep going, do us a favor, hit the subscribe button on your favorite podcast platform to hear more from the Difference Makers. All right, guys, we are live. This is the Difference Makers podcast. My name is Justin Tamani. I'll be your host today. Today we have with us Heather Jackson. Heather is an American Ironman record holder for the fastest Ironman time. She's finished in the top five at the Ironman World Championships four times, and she has won the half Ironman championship, or she has won 12 half Ironman championships. There we go. (laughs) That's a resume right there. Awesome. Thanks for joining us. Yeah, thanks so much. Thanks for having me on. <laughs> you are welcome. So tell me how you got started in with Ironman or with triathlons. Like what sparked all of this? Like this is years and years of dedication to this sport. Yeah, it's crazy. Um, it's crazy you say that because I still, I guess, I don't feel new to the sport per se anymore, but I still, it still feels somewhat new because my whole childhood growing up was basically ice hockey and soccer. So those are my two sports till I was 22, like through college. So not the same at all. Yeah, no, not the same at all. I did not grow up swimming, which has been the big thing for me because I'm the swim I struggle in, but, um, both (laughs) (laughs) solid ground is better. Yes. Um, Yes. Yeah, I mean, I grew up playing team sports, and then out of after college, I went to just a local triathlon with my parents. Um, my mom had signed up; they were like really getting back into fitness and trying to lose some weight, and they signed up for just a local triathlon in my home state of New Hampshire. Um, and so I went with them and just hopped in and just loved it. Like I've been competitive in everything my whole life, anything I do, mm-hmm. but it was like this new challenge of racing myself versus kind of that team sports that I yeah. did forever. So yeah, it was just this fun new thing. So that was yeah, 14, 15 years ago now. <laughs> okay. So you've been at it for a while. And, that, and when you started going, when you started your triathlons, when was it that it clicked and you really started to say, okay, I'm going to dedicate myself to this sport and I'm going to dedicate my training hours and my time. When, yeah. when did that shift kind of happen or how did it happen? Well, so when I first got into the sport, I was just out of college, like I just mentioned, and I had gotten a teaching job um, out in San Jose, California. And so I moved from New Hampshire, uh, drove cross country with my sister. And that was my first job out of college. I was teaching ninth grade, ninth grade world history. So yeah. Um, I just, yeah, I taught for two years total, but Um, yeah, that first one is super rough, just never having taught before and dealing with ninth graders. I mean, they were like 14 and I was 21 or two. So it was tough, but I like after school, I found some of the local, um, running groups and triathlon groups and started training with the locals in San Jose. So that was kind of my first couple years in the sport. And then, um, I had some results as an age grouper at a few half Ironmans and, um, I, but I still wouldn't say it like clicked. It was, I met my now husband, um, that second year I was teaching in San Jose and he lived in San Diego and he was like, 
can always go back to teaching. You're so young. You can always teach. Like you have to give this a shot. Like, so I would say he's the one that really pushed me to just give it a go because I was making great money at a private school teaching right out of college. I was starting to pay off my student loans, like just like getting my adult life going. And all of a sudden I'm like, yes, I'd much rather do that. So I quit the job, gave you my notice. It all? What was that? You scrapped training or you scrapped teaching, teaching altogether yeah. just to go train full time? Moved down. Um, this would have been in June. The school year ended in 09. And um, my now husband, Wadi, um, his name's Sean, but everyone calls him Wadi. He came up with a U-Haul, helped me pack up the house I was renting with a friend and drove me down to San Diego. So, um, yeah, it was basically like, okay, now you have to make this work. So I started entering. I got my pro card. And we would just find like the races we could drive to, um, the races that maybe had super small fields. So I could try to make, so like, as long as I could just make a little bit of money at each one, it was like, Oh my God, we're winning. We're ahead. <laughs> awesome. And when you said you got your pro card, what does it take to get your pro card in Ironman or in triathlon? Yeah. So to get your pro card, um, for the, for a U.S. athlete. So I think, um, every country is different, but for the U.S., you have to place um, – it's within a certain amount of time of, um, like, the winner's time at a race. So I think I had raced Oceanside Half Ironman um, okay. as an age grouper, and I was within, like, eight or ten minutes of the winning time, overall female. Um, so I was okay. within that percentage time, and then you just – yeah, you can apply. You have to apply every year and just show a result that – you are within that like top 8% of race finishers and you can keep your elite card going. Okay. And then back then, what was prize money kind of like at one of these events? Yeah. So the races I was doing, it was usually like, um, probably five or six grand a win four, okay. three, two, one. they would pay like six deep. So I was getting a lot of like, fifths and sixths early on. Um, also yeah. cause the women's field, even back then, which wasn't that long ago was way smaller than it is now. Like now you go to races and there's 30 women, but back then you could find races where there were only like five or 10. So you okay. could get the, those like fifth places and it would be like two grand or like a thousand bucks. Um, and so, yeah, just going after that, like most weekends those first like two or three years I raced as a pro we were literally just any rate any weekend there was a race we would drive to it or try to get there as cheaply as we could <laughs> <laughs> you want to know something funny in 2009 so when you would have started um triathlon or around that time the CrossFit Games their second place prize pool or there's, I forget what first place was, but their second place, I believe, was a $500 gift card for Under Armour. Oh my God. That's <laughs> crazy. That's yeah. like, because what is the prize money now? It's huge. Uh, 310000 for first place. Yeah. That's yeah. what I thought because so. <laughs> we all watch that on TV and I'm like, oh my God, I should do CrossFit. <laughs> yeah. Not that I could compete with those top women, but. I mean, that's crazy. That's more than Kona. So our Ironman World Championships every October, yeah. like the best in the world, and that those are 50, 60 women, the best 60 in the world, mm -hmm. to win is 125000 Okay. 
Yeah, that's where I was kind of comparing. I was like, oh, now that you mentioned the prize money, I was like, that's a lot more prize money than than is at the most of the CrossFit events. And then when you said that, I was like, wow, back then too, like that was a pretty good chunk of money. Yeah, yeah. No, that's pretty good to do. I, yeah, I would get fifth and sixth. And then like that third, fourth, fifth year I got in, I started like getting third, seconds. Okay. Um, and that's when it starts, you're like, okay. Yeah. Like, four grand, five grand. And you can do that four or five times a year. I mean, it starts, you're like, okay, that's legit. Yeah. Um, and then it kind of like escalates because you can get, you start to get sponsors. And so the way the sponsors work is, um, I'm now I have um, amazing partners with also base salaries. So I get a base salary, but how it often starts with a partner is just bonuses, performance bonuses, because they'll pay if you want to win a race and, or want to, of course, if you win a race and say you have, you know, their equipment on or their shoes or whatever it is like, okay, X amount for first. So say it's early on, I had like $500 for first, 300 for second, 100 for third. But if you get a couple partners like that, then you're getting your prize money which yeah. say it's four grand to win. And then you have a couple more of $500 performance bonuses. All of a sudden it's seven grand. So it's like, it started to each year. It was like this slow build and you're like, Oh my goodness. Well, I'm doing even better. <laughs> the one thing I noticed too, was the number of sponsors that you have. That's been, uh, I mean, yeah. I'm sure it's been over time that you've accumulated and you've worked with brands and created partnerships and things like that. But mm-hmm. there's so many different components to to racing and and to doing what you do. You don't just have like, you know, like in other sports, like you, you know, baseball, like you have a bat sponsor, you got a shoe sponsor and like you got a glove and like that's about it. Right, right. Yeah. That's true. That's a good point. Yeah. No, I mean, this has been... A lot of the partners I have, I've been with for most of my career, which, um, or at least like large portions of it, which is really, yeah, just, I'm so grateful for, I've, I'm so grateful for so many of my partners who have just like Herbalife, my title sponsor, they yeah. reached out to me in 2011, I think. So I've been with them like 12 years. Okay. Um, but just, yeah, that's the thing with triathlon. You have so many things you need for the yeah. sport. So um, yeah, it is like, you need goggles, you need wetsuits, you need running shoes, a bike, wheels, helmet, sunglasses, like nutrition there. It's, it's crazy on top of all the other training gadgets that, Oh, um, I didn't even think about that. Yeah. So it, it is, it is quite a sport of like needing to invest. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it, do, it does help when, yeah, you have those partners supporting you even if it is just the product i mean you add up buying a wetsuit and 10 pairs of goggles for the season like it adds up so yeah um just yeah all the partners are (laughs) really important that's nuts when i was looking at your vlog so i was watching your vlogs the other day and i saw you you know you guys just did tell me where you just got back from you guys were in a a van where are you coming back from okay so we drove up to watch the half Ironman world okay. championships. And so that's the race I used to focus on for about the first six years of my career was just that mm-hmm. half Ironman distance. Um, yeah. and that race rotates every year. So it used to be in Vegas for about five years straight. It was in Vegas. And then they yeah. decided they were going to start rotating it. 
Um, and the half Ironman is half the distance of the full Ironman. So this year it was in St. George, Utah, and okay. I wasn't originally planning to race it because it was three weeks out from when Kona was supposed to be And Kona is my a That's race cool. every season. Ironman yeah. world champs, um, was supposed to be, we were actually supposed to be leaving for Hawaii tomorrow oh. to go over there, but they canceled it. Um, I want to say like two or three weeks ago now. And so I was all in training and focused for that distance, which is completely different in terms of how you special, how you prepare now for races, like the women's field and men's field have gotten so deep that it's, it's tough. There are some women out there doing it, but it's very tough to like have the speed over that half distance Mm -hmm. um, on as well as, the full Ironman distance. So if that makes okay. sense to yeah, no, totally makes sense. sports, it's like, and I just didn't have the time. I had a week basically when we found out Kona was canceled to be like, Oh, I could go yeah. up to St. George and just get schooled because I don't have, I've been doing like six, seven hour rides, like marathon training, not that speed that those women at the front of that field over the weekend have. So, um, long story, sorry. Uh, we decided to go up and, cheer everyone on though because okay. we are currently in tucson arizona my husband and i and yep. it's about a seven hour drive and we have um we just got a camper or sprinter van last year okay. um just to get to races easier um make more road trips out of them and like enjoy the journey versus just like hop in a plane and and book right there so we packed up the van and drove up via Flagstaff, stopped, did some gravel bike riding, um, exploring up there, and then continued on to cheer on this weekend um, at that race. So, okay. <laughs> When you travel like that in the van or how you, when you travel, how do you transport all of your gear with you? Like this is something that I was like, how many bikes can you bring with you in one of those vans? <laughs> yeah, so – we actually lifted the bed up in the back. Uh, so the bikes fit underneath. Okay. So we can get four bikes in there, um, like front to back, front to back. Um, okay. so we both brought, um, our two gravel bikes and then two time trial bikes. So we got four bikes in there and then we've got some cabinets kind of more near the front area, just throw a backpack in or your clothes, shoes. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's pretty good. That's, okay. Yeah. Pretty good storage. <laughs> Do you find that it's hard to recover from your training when you're staying in the van versus at home? Do you find there's a difference? Yeah, it always takes me a night or two sleeping in the van to actually like get to sleep well. Like mm-hmm. I just don't sleep that first night. At, like again, we've only had it about a year now and that was primarily we got it last year with COVID with no racing. So we're like, can't travel, can't go anywhere, have to be isolating. So we can just drive into the woods with this and like, chill so um yeah I, I definitely wouldn't we wouldn't go camping i guess like in the heat of a big block of okay. training um yeah. but when it's like yeah this winter or off, more off season more just base building miles where it's not as important to be like nailing high intensity work then it's fine but okay <laughs> And now give me a rough idea of what training was like leading up to, or leading and preparing for Kona. Like, are you swimming every day, running every day and biking every day? Or like, how do you break it up? 
like how many hours a day would you say you dedicate to that? Ooh. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's, it's tough to say per day because it's very, um, so Monday, Fridays are somewhat lighter. Um, okay. so maybe, um, three to four hours of training, um, but light, like lighter intensity. So I'll swim first thing for like an hour or so, like again, light working on technique, not like hard training. So hour swim, I might go for, um, like an hour and a half, two hour bike ride, easy, just break a sweat, spin the legs out. And then maybe an afternoon jog and like a gym session, like stretching. Um, so three to three to four hours, that's usually Monday and Fridays. And then, um, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursdays, and then the weekends are really big. So for instance, like this weekend, I have a seven hour ride with an hour runoff. Um, and then the next day is like a two hour run with, um, like a two hour swim after, (laughs) which is a killer, (laughs) um, gym session. So you kind of load, um, you load the training on like two or three day blocks and then take a really lighter recovery day. Um, do that again. And you just kind of keep repeating that cycle. Um, okay. And then when you say, okay, you got to run and then you're going to go swim after the run. Do you do that kind of swim open water? Are you using a pool? Like, are you planning to end your run and, and start swimming right away? Or how do you kind of balance that? Or does it change as the blocks go on? With the Wadproof Pro Experience, you'll get instant access to training programs from some of the best coaches on the planet. From full training programs in the gym and at home, to movement-specific programs for weightlifting, gymnastics, engine, endurance, rowing, and more. We have a program that is designed for your needs, whether you are a beginner or a pro. It changes, exactly, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's more important to practice um, the swim to bikes, so that's a big one too. Like if you do a hard swim and then head straight for out on your bike for a ride because that's simulating a race. And then the same with doing a hard bike and then getting right off and doing a hard run. Um, my workout this weekend with the swim after it's kind of twofold. It's like, um, it's a hard strength swim following like a long hilly run. So, um, it's teaching you to practice, really focus on your swim, practice good form when you're already super fatigued from that run. Um, okay. Yeah. So I guess, ev- yeah, every workout in its timing has its purposes. Um, and every day that rotates. So yeah. every day it's like the swim might be the most important that's first or the bike might be the first of the day. And then the other two are um, to practice those sports, but then also I'm training my body to be as fit and ready for a nine hour race as possible. So every day it's like, okay, am I feeling less fatigued at this level of training? Um, am I ready for like, how fast can I go over nine hours? So you're, that's like the bigger picture you're always thinking of. When you say it like that, it's just like most people are at work for nine hours a day, like in the (laughs) desk at a chair, like, you know, drinking their coffee and whatever. And then you're trying to move your body as fast as you can for nine hours continuously <laughs> in, in a few different ways. But, you know, like it's crazy to put that into perspective of how long and how like kind of grueling these races are. Yeah. It's like weird. You get stuck in this little bubble of triathlon and then 
when it's like either the off season or if I'll take little mid season breaks and you kind of live life like a, a standard normal, not normal person, like a standard everyday life, you catch a glimpse of it and you're like, Oh my God, (laughs) it is crazy. Do you find it hard to shut off when it is time to, to kind of taper back training or like if you had a, a month off where you were like just chilling out, could you do it? I could do it for maybe like a week probably. Yeah. (laughs) I usually take a week completely off at the end of the season. And I, that's only because I really don't feel like doing anything. I just like don't want to. And then within usually about a week, I just like feel like I have to like move my body or break a sweat or just do something, not train, but just even a 20 minute jog. Like I just start to feel like my body needs to move. (laughs) Yeah. How do you keep up with, like, do you do a lot of strength training to, to help supplement everything? Like, how do you keep up with the, I would think almost like the rehab side of things with, with the amount of volume you're putting in? Yeah, that's, it's kind of gone like back on itself. So early in my career, I was coming off 20 years of ice hockey and I played ice hockey at the highest level for women. Um, just in college on the national team, I was trying for the 06 games, um, in Torino. So, um, I had been lifting for, yeah, 15 years basically and had that leg strength. And I think that's what gave me kind of an upper hand coming into the sport on the bike primarily. Mm -hmm. Um, and so early on I kept that lifting going, but it was very much like during parts of the year, just, off season. And then during that mid season break, getting that strength back up. Um, and then kind of the m- middle of my career, um, probably like 2014 to 2018, I kind of, I kept it up somewhat, but not as focused. Like I was more into like, okay, my run was coming around. I was finding more speed in that. Um, uh, my biking was about the same. I was getting the swim under control. Um, so I was fully focused on the three sports and kind of let that slide. And now that I'm like a little bit older, a little bit like have lost, I think some of that strength I had coming in from hockey, I'm back to, yeah, I'm lifting three times a week right now. Um, not the same as I used to, because it's difficult. When I came into the sport from ice hockey, I had to lose like 30 or 40 pounds. Um, just from that leg muscle. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say your your body type now does not look like somebody who would be able to hop on skates and, and push people around. Yeah, it's crazy. I mean, I used to squat. I mean, well, I don't even want to say because <laughs> I'm talking to across. <laughs> I feel like it was legit then. I mean, I think I was squatting like 180, 190. It's pretty it's decent. Because now I only squat like. 130 or something but but like high reps higher like yeah it's more to emulate um like a run stride so you're just ingraining that like run stride um movement in strengthening up the muscles um versus like heavy lifting yeah i think what a lot of crossfitters in the beginning lose sight of is like the idea of training for sport and training specifically for sport not just like general physical preparedness like it may not be beneficial to squat all the way down for every single sport. Right. Right. But, exactly. You know, exactly. there's so people very, who are like, yeah. you're always going full depth all the time, no matter what. Yeah. But sport specific training kind of takes precedent. 
Yeah, exactly. So yeah, I am back to lifting now and it's, it's a combo. A lot of the gym work I do is more for the running and the swim, um, just like pull-ups, pull-downs, rows, things like that to strengthen the shoulders. So those don't get injured swimming every single day. Mm -hmm. I do a lot of the bike strength on the bike. You can do like really heavy gear spinning. So very like low cadence, um, just pushing and pulling all the way around the pedal, um, for strength work there. So again, just really, yeah, sport specific. Awesome. When you are recovering, what's recovery like? What's nutrition like in your day? Yeah. It's nonstop. I mean, my days are literally every minute is like, has a purpose to it of, okay, if I'm not training, then it is recovery. So I'm either on the couch with, um, different recovery tools. So like hyper ice, like self massaging or Mm -hmm. foam rolling, um, trigger point balls, um, always hydrating. Usually it's hydrating and fueling for the next session because the second a session ends, it's not like, okay, my day's done. Like, so for instance, this morning, like I got on the bike first thing. Um, and like I had a bunch of things to do in between that. And then I had to swim today as well. So it's like you're fueling for not only recovering from that session, getting ready for the swim. And then after the swim, I still did lift. So then you're recovering for that, getting ready for the next. So it's constant fueling, hydrating, trying to keep the muscles like as, yeah, like not sore and not heavy and just full care of your body 24-7. Yeah. Do you find it difficult to eat between sessions or are you somebody who can just eat and then just start working out right away? Yeah, that's actually been one of my big, big problems, I would say. Not problems, but areas to work on. Mm -hmm. Because I'm not necessarily that hungry right after a session. And that's when you need to get it in. Not only because your muscles are repairing, but also because you need to get it in as quickly as you can so that you can work out an hour or two later. Because for me, I don't want to eat 10 minutes before I go swim because then you're in the pool and it's coming back up when you flip turn. So it's like you have to just get it in right after, let it digest, get ready for the next session. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean that's – I've been there myself and then at the same time I've worked out with people. My one friend, Adam Smalley, he would eat a whole burrito and then be like, <laughs> all right, we're going to work out now. and like we're going to do this hard Metcon and like he just does it and he's fine. And like yeah. I have no idea how he does it but yeah. I remember like – looking at what he ate and they're like, you know what we have to do, right? And he's like, yeah, yeah I'm good. Yeah. I have a couple of friends. Like I can't that too. do that. Yeah. yeah. I can't either. I do. I drink a lot of smoothies. <laughs> yeah. And you, I mean, cause with your competitions, like you're eating as you're moving and, and biking, running, well, probably not eating while swimming, but um, you're eating as you're going. Do you find that to be difficult or is it something you've had to learn over time? Yeah. you ha- So you have to train what you do for the races specifically. Yeah. So that's been learned over time for sure. Like I used to um, not do what I do now. I would take bars in, like make like rice bars. I all try all these different things. And then as I've kind of evolved and like learned from some of the best in the sport, like I've gone to full liquid on in the races. Um, So full liquid calories just because it digests so much easier, so much better, especially like, your body's more efficient at that. Um, 
when you're on the bike for five hours and then you still have to run a marathon. If you have like a bunch of, you know, bars slogging around in your stomach, it's not good. <laughs> yeah. No, not at all. So, yeah. Okay. What would you say is your like training day, moderate training day, calorie intake? Do you have a number? Whew. I should. My coach will be mad at me because I'm supposed <laughs> to know that stuff. Okay. Maybe we cut, we'll cut that out. Okay. <laughs> I would say it's like, I don't know, a moderate training day, maybe like 3,000, 4,000 calories. Okay. I guess it depends on um, the type of training just because like some workouts you don't really need to fuel too crazily. Um, mm-hmm. Maybe just like 100 calories an hour. And then some days I try to get in like 300 calories an hour just to really okay, so- practice that race nutrition. That's kind of how you're calculating it. Is the calories per hour based on your output? Yeah, exactly. If it's a harder session, then you need way more. And also, um, because then you have, say I have a second, like I'm just primarily thinking the biking, like if I'm trying to get 300 calories in on the bike and I have a four hour ride and then a runoff, you, that's why you need that many calories. Yeah. If I just have a bike, couple hour bike, but just an easy jog later in the afternoon, then that's not as important. So I can just take a bottle with hundred calories in it. Um, and then come home, have like a smoothie instead, and then go out for their jog, um, before dinner, for instance. So it just depends. Yeah. It depends on the day. (laughs) All right. Now you mentioned your coach, your coach, what's that dynamic like in the endurance space in the triathlon space with your coach? Are they, I mean, they're probably not staying there with you, as you do all of your sessions, are they just kind of programming for you? Is there constant communication going with you and your coach? Like how do you guys balance that relationship? And maybe your relationship is different than other people within the space. Yeah. I think even in just my own experience, there are so many, um, I think so many types of, I guess, coach athlete relationships out there. Um, and I alone have, I've had probably four, four or five coaches throughout my career now. Um, and each one has been different. So, but a lot of coaches are, um, remote. So they'll just, there is a common just training platform, like app on your phone and they'll just program in the week and then you have your workouts for the week. Um, and tick them off, load your files, load your run files. They'll respond. It's usually week to week. Um, is generally how it goes. Most okay. of the friends I know and athletes I know, but yeah. Okay. Um, and then what, what's your like biggest motivating factor right now? Like what, what's pushing you to go through all the, of this pain <laughs> and all of this suffering for 12, 15 years? I know. Well, so the biggest thing for me, this is, it's been a weird couple of years, I'd say, because the biggest motivating thing for me has always been Kona, the Ironman world champs the last five years and just going there and, um, seeing what I can do at that race against the best women in the world at the Ironman distance at that race. And, um, with COVID it's now been canceled twice and now they've actually moved it next year. So, um, they're still scheduled to have the standard one in October, but, They've moved what was supposed to happen next week to St. George. Another reason why we drove up to St. George over the weekend, St. George, Utah next May. 
And okay. so that's going to be the 2021 Ironman World Championships next May. So okay. I guess to your question, it's just, yeah, like, I guess shifting shifting my mindset of like, I want to see what I can do at Kona. I want to see if I can earn that world champion title in Kona to, I want to see how fast I can go and how I can compare against the best girls in the world on that day at the world championship. So it's shifted next year will be different um, with it in Utah, but also too, because you have to train so specifically and Utah versus Hawaii is like totally different. (laughs) I mean, We literally have a house where I am now. We're in Tucson. We we have a house in Tucson because of training for Kona Hawaii. I mean, we love okay. Tucson, and now we'll still always come here, even past my career. But I mean, that's how invested athletes get because you have to be able to race in ninety degree weather, and yeah. so people go to places where you can acclimate, where you can get heat training. Um, and now Utah will be so different. It's like at elevation, it's going to be freezing. It's going to be a wetsuit swim. Um, so yeah, it just it changes it, but it'll still be just a race to see, yeah, the best in the world on that day. So are they going to do two world championships next year? Is that kind of so they'll do the twenty one and then the twenty two later in the fall? Yep, exactly. Okay. <laughs> two full distance Ironmans to yeah peak for. <laughs> Jeez, how many would you say you do a year normally? In a typical non-COVID season. Yeah. So usually I do three, but not at the same level as Kona. So Kona is always the, um, the big one. And I'll do one in like June timeframe, May or June, sometimes July, just as like a run through. So and that sounds weird to say like, Oh, I'll just practice an Ironman cause they, they're harsh, but they're like, yeah. you have to get out there. You have to practice your pacing, practicing your nutrition, wake the body up to like that full day, um, effort, um, take away what you did right and wrong from that. And then that usually shapes my Kona prep in August, September leading into what would be next week. So, um, and then you always have to qualify for Kona. So every year I've tried to use my fitness from Kona and I'll race another one like a month later. Again, not like going for my peak performance, but just getting it done and trying to qualify. And so I usually get my qualifying spot in November for the next Kona, if that makes sense. Okay. So yeah. Yeah. Three no, total that makes in sense. a year. Um, but they're not as high. It's usually one that's just that high intensity. Yeah. Oh, did I lose you? Nope. We're good. Do you find it hard to turn that around and to do that next Ironman so sh- closely after Kona? Have you found that to be difficult or is it, you know, you're, yeah. the intensity drops so you're able to. It's, it is tough. It's tough mentally to stay engaged. Um, but it's also like having that slot and going into the off season qualified takes off a lot of pressure and makes, um, makes the next year just a little less like, I guess, stressful because you're like, okay, I'm qualified. All I have to do is focus in October. Anything can go wrong at any of my other races, but um, you're not going to be like chasing. So for me, it's, and it, I try to find one that's close enough. It's not like a three month wait. It's like, okay, just recover and then do it again. (laughs) 
Okay. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah. And do you ever do anything outside of triathlon? Do you ever do any just straight runs or swims or bike races? Yeah, I do. Um, I'll do just like open running races, half marathons, 10 Ks, five Ks, um, just for fun and for training, just, Mm -hmm. um, yeah, if I have a hard run anyways, like hop in a local race, it's way more fun to be out there with people. So, um, and then I do a lot of gravel, gravel biking these days. So that's kind of like on the up and up right now of, um, like, racing and the whole gravel racing scene um so that's pretty cool actually and i've done a couple and then my plan next year is to add in a few more okay what would you say your favorite kind of discipline on the bike is are you are you leaning towards that gravel racing right now i like the i like riding there i just like getting off the roads like exploring being in the woods like finding new places um versus yeah the time, the head down time trial is all about high performance, like as arrow as you can get, as low as you can get on your bike, pushing as high of watts as you can. Um, they're so totally different, but um, yeah, the gravel biking super fun. <laughs> okay. I don't, when I was watching your vlogs, it was the first time I'd heard the term gravel biking. Now, I'm not a big biker, but there's there's such a big bike scene in where I am in Victoria, BC. Oh, yeah. But I, you know, it's more like mountain biking and I hear road biking, but I've never heard anybody talk about gravel biking. So that's yeah, it's, that it's growing like fast right now. It's crazy. Yeah. <coughs> Sorry. Excuse me. It's okay. <laughs> um, yeah. It's like, because people are buying these bikes now, road bikes where the fork is wider. So you can get two sets of wheels, um, where you could fit almost mountain bike like tires or just standard roads. So you can have a a bike that's multi-purpose if you wanted okay. to go off-road or not. So yeah. I think that's why it's it's drawing a lot of people. Okay. That sounds fun. <laughs> yeah. You guys, I Victoria, you guys have a half Ironman there. I think it's in Don't June. quote me on that. I, I think it was uh, postponed or canceled for this year. Okay. I don't think it happened this year. Okay. But I know you have one because I know the run is on a dirt trail around a lake. Is that Elk Lake? Elk Lake, yeah. Oh, okay. That's so, yeah. where it is. I know where that is. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so that's actually not far from where I live then. Oh, cool. But heard it's beautiful. Maybe 2022 prep. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> um when you when you're training, when you when you're kind of putting your head down and grinding, how many like hours, like what's the best way to put this? How many hours, like a week, would you say you just dedicate solely to on your discipline training? Yeah, the swim, swimming, biking, running. Yeah, biggest weeks are usually like thirty to thirty-five hours. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so, that is full-time job hours. Yes, it is full time. I, I think people, sometimes people are like, Oh, that must be so cool. Like that must be such a, like, yeah, that's, you're so lucky. That's your job. And I'm like, I am, I'm so grateful and I'm grateful every day to get to do it. But I'm also like, it, it, it's, if you knew what you would have to do, you might think differently. (laughs) 
that sounds painful. That's what that sounds like to me. Yeah, it's a lot. It's nonstop. I mean, it's worth it when mm-hmm. you cross those finish lines and especially when you cross them first. It's like, okay, like that's what you're training towards, holding those banners up, cross breaking that tape. But I mean, the day in, day out, I mean, a lot of people look forward to the weekends and the weekends are my biggest days. So like family and friends, they're getting up late, like maybe doing a hike, having like a barbecue, like Sunday brunch, mimosas, like Saturdays I get up and I have like a seven hour bike ride to do. And then I ride from like 8am to like 3pm. And then I have an hour runoff at pace. By then it's like 4pm. Sometimes I still have a swim to do. It's like 5pm. I'm barely awake. I'm choking down some dinner. I'm falling asleep. And then Sunday morning I have to get up and do like a 20 mile run a two hour swim, a lift. So that, and Sundays people are like, yeah, it's just, it's a different lifestyle and I love it, but it it is, my job is every day. So yeah, that's (laughs) every day. And then like that's full buy-in from the family and your support system. Like there's a lot that's probably got to go into that as well to balance that all out. Yeah, totally. I mean, I have the best husband in the world and he's, he's supported me from day one. I mean, he's the one that told me to go after this dream. So, and he does everything. He looks after my bike. He manages all my sponsors. He like, he does all my YouTube videos. He does all my marketing. He does all my contracts. So he's without him, I wouldn't be here period. Um, but it is just me and him. We don't have kids. So it's, um, I mean, we live this lifestyle and we feel very fortunate. My family is very supportive. They're up in Bend, Oregon. Um, They come to most of my races. They understand the lifestyle, I guess. The, uh, yeah, just what I'm doing. So, um, but yeah, I think it would be very difficult if you didn't have that. (laughs) That's, it's incredible what you do. Like, when I was doing my, my research and, and looking into everything and all the, the, like I said, at the top, like your resume, it's like the hours and hours of training and the support from everybody that has to go into this for this to happen is, is absolutely incredible. So it's, it's awesome to see what you've accomplished over the past 10 years plus. Thank you. Appreciate that. <laughs> Yeah. Well, on that note, I'm going to let you go, but where can everybody find you? Where can everybody follow along? Uh, give me your links. Tell me where, where everybody can find you. Yeah, that'd be awesome. Um, on Instagram, I'm H Jackson racing, and then we're really working on building up the YouTube channel. Um, my husband, like I said, does it all. Um, so it can be a little touch and go some weeks of like filming, editing, like it's crazy what goes into that too. But, um, my YouTube channel is, I think also the same, just Heather Jackson racing. Um, and we just try to document like what we're doing, my, my journey, my training. Um, so yeah, those are probably the two biggest ones. Awesome. All right. Well, thanks so much for joining us and I really appreciate your time. Hope good luck training for the next race and, We'll talk to you soon. Yeah, perfect. Thank you. With the Wadproof Pro Experience, you'll get instant access to training programs from some of the best coaches on the planet. From full training programs in the gym and at home 
to movement-specific programs for weightlifting, gymnastics, engine, endurance, rowing, and more. We have a program that is designed for your needs, whether you are a beginner or a pro. Every training session introduces a series of questions. Am I happy with my performance? Where could I have gone faster? When will I be ready to go again? For Wadproof Pro athletes, also this question. What can I learn from that workout? With a Wadproof Pro subscription, you gain access to a complete training toolbox. From a full-featured exercise log, to side-by-side comparisons, to the ability to record your heart rate right alongside your rounds and reps. You have at your fingertips everything you need to learn, to make progress, and to go into tomorrow's training more prepared than today's. The best athletes are the best students, and with your Wadproof Pro subscription, you will have in your pocket the education you need to elevate your training and uncover the many lessons that every single workout offers you. Subscribe today so you can get better tomorrow.